Space Croutons! Space Croutons, season 3.14. Space Croutons, season 3.14. Join us for a tale or two. Our stories will enlighten you. Follow our mysterious tale. Everything will be unveiled. Space Croutons, season 3.14. The ratio of the circumference of any circle to the diameter of that circle, regardless of the circle size, this ratio will always equal pi. Did somebody say pi? The cortex left the residue with hours that were somewhat new. We traveled through both space and time, through snow globes, and it was sublime. Space moved on, season 3.14. Say what? Greetings, my fine friends and fellow travelers on this mortal coil. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's episode of our friendly little podcast, Space Croutons. Everything we do here at Space Croutons, we do for our audience. I'm your genial host, Curdy, and here with me is my ever-faithful sidekick and AI friend, Sally. Say hello to our listeners, Sally. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Space Croutons, like my old daddy used to say. Hold on a minute, Sally. That's definitely my line. Don't try to horn in on my old daddy's sayings. That is strictly my area. No AI is going to take my job away from me. As my old daddy used to say, Don't wear out your welcome, boy, or you'll find me wearing out your backside with a hickory switch. Speaking of switches, jump up and switch the TV channel for me. Someday somebody ought to invent a channel changer I could use for my recliner so I don't have to rely on you and your brother all the time to change the TV station for me. Boy, Daddy could carry on when he got started on a topic. Speaking of topics, what is today's story about, Sally? It is a very engaging communique from a sheep farmer who lives on Easter Island. Well, no offense to sheep farmers and sheep, but my first thought when I heard about this story was just how engaging can it be if the story is about sheep? Goodness gracious, some people resort to counting sheep to fall asleep at night. And we think this is a good story for the podcast? Are you sure about this, Sally? My experiences with sheep are limited, to tell the absolute honest-to-God truth, but what I have heard is that they are smelly and not overly bright. Well, Curdy, the story is about something the sheep farmer discovered in a cave on the land where his sheep graze. The story is not about sheep. The sheep are just an ancillary component of the story. No need to pull out the three-dollar words on me, Sally. Haven't I told you before that it's not polite to talk over the heads of people? My sincere apologies, Cordy. I will adjust my vocabulary setting to average 12-year-old for you. Huh. I think I should be insulted by that remark, but I'm gonna let it slide this time. So, before we play today's story, let's put on our commercial sponsor's message. 
Today's message comes from our good friends at Beckett Industries, purveyors of all kinds of products for time travel, portal jumping, and now even entertainment services. Roll the spot, Sally. Ever time travel to find yourself landing in an unknown time or place? Not your original destination at all? Don't you just hate it when you end up in an awkward situation or even in a dangerous spot, such as the middle of a boxing match or on death row? Thankfully, now you can avoid any mishaps or unfortunate surprises when time traveling and portal jumping by using the newest version of our best-selling hand link. Noticing the sometimes erratic results of time travel, we here at Ziggy's Computer and Handlinks have an updated version of our most popular handlink that provides you with an accurate time and location positioning system. No matter where you leap from, through time or through dimensions, as long as you have your handlink with you properly updated to version 88 TLPS, you can press the locator button on the link and Ziggy will come online to tell you exactly where you are. no matter the dimension, as well as giving you the local time, year, month, day, and minute. As an additional feature, the handlink bypasses all known landing zones of a questionable nature. No more flailing through swamps or ending up in the lion's den. Ziggy's upgraded Handlink 88 will guide you to a safe landing every time, guaranteed or your money back. Just dial star 88 on any device or go online to Ziggy's Computers and Handlinks.com and order your Handlink version 88 to get started. With this device, we are taking the risky business out of the business of time travel. Ziggy's Computers and Handlinks is a division of Beckett Industries. Beckett Industries, striving to serve all of your time travel needs. We look forward to serving you. Happy time travels! That does sound like a remarkable product. Remind me to order one when we finish today's episode. Now, on to our story. One of our listeners from Easter Island reached out to us with news of a fantastic discovery. And with his permission, we recorded our conversation with him to share with you today. This segment of today's show was recorded last week. Sally, please play the recording for us. My pleasure, Cordy. All right. With me today is one of our listeners from one of the most remote locations you can travel to on this planet. Thanks so much for bringing your story to us. We are always on the lookout for something interesting and new to share with our listeners. Kia ora. How are you today, bro? I listen to your show all the time. I knew you'd love to hear about my discovery. Please call me Kiwi. I live on Easter Island now, but I'm a proud New Zealander. Well, you got me curious. How does a New Zealander end up on Easter Island? It is curious. New Zealand is 7,067 kilometers or 3,816 nautical miles from Easter Island. It is not famous for sheep but for the tourism industry sparked by people's insatiable curiosity about the very unique statues found on Easter Island. Those statues are heaps more interesting than the story of how I came to live on the island. My uncle started a sheep farm out in the Whoop Whoops and he needed some help running the sheep. He invited me to come out to assist him. I liked it, so I stayed. You're right. That's not a very interesting story at all. But you promised a vibrant and engaging tale for our listeners. So tell us what you found on the island, Kiwi. What's got you so excited? Well, it happened this way. 
I was out watching over my sheep one arvo when a small lamb took off over a heap of rocks and I lost sight of the little thing. I scurried along after the bugger and as I crested the rocks the lamb disappeared from sight past another pile of boulders. I approached the place where I'd last seen it and found the beast had wandered into a cave. Well, in my kit I had a torch with me so I felt prepared to venture inside the cave. There was very little headroom at the entrance so I crib walked the first ten or so metres inside. There it opened up into a generous sized room, and on one side of the room I found a ledge of rock hewn to resemble a shelf, with green rolls stacked along the top of the shelf. Well, these green rolls, were they made of some type of organic material? That's what I thought at first, but once I grabbed one, I realised it was hard, and made up of thin sheets of metal rolled up like a scroll. I gathered up the scrolls, placed them in my kit, scooped up the lamb, and worked my way out of the cave. I was jazzed to find out what the scrolls could be, and the cave was not the proper place to investigate. As the sheep and I were in the warp warps, I had a bit of tramping to do to get back to the farmhouse. And once there, I unrolled a scroll, and I could clearly see that there was writing on the inside of it. Being as the sheets were coloured green, it was my guess that they were made out of copper. Well how cool is that? Just like the copper scroll found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. I knew that I didn't want to read the writing on the scroll. I'd have better luck with it if I cleaned the metal. So I tramped over to my local dairy and bought some metal cleaner. While there, I picked up a pop and a mince and cheese pie to snack on. Well, hold on. I'm getting a little lost here. Start back with being in the wop wops. You have a different way of talking there. Kiwi is using some slang words from his home of New Zealand. For example, wop wops is used to describe a rural area far from town. Tramping is a long hike and the dairy would be similar to your favorite convenience store. This all occurred one afternoon as Kiwi said it happened one arvo. That's right bro, sweet. Bro and sweet are also commonly used slang words in New Zealand. I understood those Sally, thank you. Please continue with your story Kiwi. As this yarn spins out, the clean solution I purchased was right jazzy and had the first scroll shining like a newly minted coin in just a few minutes. I could see that the markings were written in Rapa Nui, which is the language of the native speakers on the island. I don't like to brag, but I am gifted in languages, so I was able to read most of the words inscribed on the scroll. Some of the phrases have fallen out of common usage, which was giving me a mare of a time, but eventually I was able to get the gist of the story. After cleaning and skimming the information from each scroll, I placed them in chronological order and read the yarn from start to finish. What I read made me suss that the ministry folks would be bowling around my place to cover up the discovery, if it was made known to them first. That's why I decided to share it here before they got wind of it. Well, now you've got me on pins and needles. What did the scrolls say? The scrolls tell the story of people who came to the island long ago. It's evident that the group landing here was one part of a larger group of people. The people were under attack and in danger of being completely eradicated, which prompted the group to split into four smaller contingents. One group landed at Stonehenge, England, another landed in Egypt, and one near Miami, Florida. The landing craft describing the scrolls was said to be a circular disc at least 11.5 metres across with 24 feet along the outside edge of the circle. If I may interject here, the Miami Circle archaeological site describes a circle that is approximately 38 feet or 11.5 metres across with 24 holes in the limestone. Well, that is some coincidence. No coincidence. At all. When you know the truth. Stonehenge is believed to have started construction around 3000 BC, but the Miami Circle site is just as old. According to the writing from the scrolls, the people landed at the same time in all four areas. 
the archaeologists who studied the Miami Circle are just considering the early Native American people as the constructors of the site. But in truth, the landing craft of these people is what left the holes in the soft limestone. Later civilizations just repurposed the holes for their own use. You keep saying landing craft. Did the scrolls say where the people are coming from? Did they slip through one of the time portals from the future? Or are they ancient astronauts like some people have suggested? I will get to your questions all in good time, bro. I have heaps more to share. Anyway, these four groups landed all at the same time because they were being pursued by what they described as a rogue spirit. It's an entity that they have no exact word for, but it brings with it a malevolent feeling. The rogue had already destroyed more than half their population on the home planet, and this group was sent to Earth in order to preserve a remnant of their culture and the people themselves. They divided into four groups, hoping that at least one of the groups would survive the row and be able to tell the story of their people. The people who landed in Miami were eventually absorbed in the population there. For a while, the four groups were able to communicate with one another, but over time the Miami group lost their own language and their writing, and so fell out of contact with the people who landed on Easter Island. At Stonehenge, the people became convinced that the temple they were constructing would protect them from the rogue. But they were so consumed with the construction to the point that they left themselves undefended from the warlike invaders who scourged the land around them. In Egypt, the people took a different take on trying to protect themselves from the rogue. You know of their work as the Great Pyramids of Egypt. Here it was felt that if they hid their original language and cut off ties with the groups in the other locations, everyone would be safer. That's why the ancient hieroglyphics are so different from the Rapa Nui language and the markings found at the other sites. The Egyptian groups so changed their outlook and culture and even the way they worshipped that the rogue was not able to identify them as part of the group it was seeking to destroy. Kiwi, let's go back a bit. I want to make sure I get this right. The scrolls tell about a people who split into four smaller groups, and you believe that these people are responsible for the rock formations at Stonehenge, the Miami Circle, and the Great Pyramids of Egypt. Also, over time that they lost contact with each other. Is that correct? It's the story written on the scrolls. Here's an interesting point to consider. Each of the groups tried a different strategy to hide from the rogue. At Stonehenge, they became obsessed with building a temple area in perfect alignment with the summer solstice. The Silbury Hill near Stonehenge is roughly the same size and height as the pyramids in Egypt, and the scroll describes the belief that worship within the temple area would discourage, or perhaps a better word would be repel, the rogue. So the people in Egypt and in Stonehenge tried to protect themselves by building these massive structures. Well, what about the people on Easter Island? You haven't really discussed them yet. I'm sure you're aware of the stone statues that reside on Easter Island. Yes, I know about the Moai. It was in the news recently that a new statue was found. Do the scrolls give us any insight to the origin of the Moai and why they were built? They do. I wouldn't exactly say the statues were built. The Moai are the people who succumbed to the rogue. The people who were caught outside when the rogue came to the island were petrified and turned to living stone, much like the eternity effect that I heard about on this very program. The people were trapped in the stone and made grotesquely large as a warning to the members of the group who stayed in hiding. The East Island faction of the group did not build any massive temples or pyramids, but they were intent on building a strong community. While some of the people were trapped within the stone, the others in the community went into hiding underground here in the island. The cave where the scrolls were kept is but one of the places where the people hid until it was safe to return to the surface. 
You may have read that the early residents of the island were cannibalistic, but according to the writing on the scroll, this is not true of these people. Wow, Kiwi. Have you transcribed the entire message from the scrolls yet? No, I'm still in the process of writing out the message. I've only given you the highlights here. Sort of a condensed version. Well, I'd really be interested in reading the entire story once you've written it all down. Certainly, bro. I'm doing this work in secret. Because once the Ministry of Antiquities hears of this, they're sure to snatch up the scrolls. And then the real story may never be told. Thanks for listening to my tale. Far-fetched though it may seem. Your broadcast is one of the bright lights of truth in reporting in these days of fake news and sensationalism. Well, we appreciate your vote of support. I wish you luck with translating the scrolls. That's a historical find of some significance. Stay safe, my friend. That is the end of the pre-recorded story for this episode. Thank you, Sally, for a job well done. Well, audience, what do you think? Is this some fantastical tale, or does it make sense that the builders of Stonehenge, the builders of the pyramids, the Moai statues on Easter Island, and the Miami Circle originated from the same genetic group? It might be interesting to see if one of those DNA services could find a connection between the people in all those places. Something to consider, at any rate. Give us a shout on our dedicated response phone lines or send us a message through the reception desk at the Roach Hotel. We love getting feedback from our listeners and look forward to hearing from you soon. If you are enjoying our program, won't you share it with someone? It would do us a lot of good and won't cost you a thing. Take care, my friends, and remember to keep peace in your hearts until our next story time. If you want to join in, if my captain has some things, tell your friends and neighbors, we'll be adding capers to the space group on season 3.14. Let's go! Original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode story by Della. Original music by Della, Jeff, John, and Jerry. Production by James Jarrett, Della, and Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of James Jarrett, Della, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2022 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio Production.